The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him. And on finding him said, everyone is looking for you. He told them, let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this scene with Simon's mother-in-law always kind of struck me as funny, when, especially when I was younger. I think I had this impression of, like, our Lord calls Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew, and James and John, and Peter and Andrew tell Jesus, okay, let's go back to our house, and so they go back to their house, and they get there, and Simon's mother-in-law is sick, and so they're like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't really offer you anything, our mother-in-law's sick, and, and usually she would make, like, grape leaves and all those kinds of things, and and so our Lord was like, no problem. And he goes and cures her and she gets up and starts serving her. And like kind of pragmatic. Kind of pragmatic. I think one of the reflections I have seen on this that, that I think is really well done is in the television show The Chosen, which I've referenced before. And, and it's a television series about, really about the disciples' experience of being called by our Lord. And, uh, and you can find it on, really on an app. So if you have an iPhone and you download the Chosen app, um, all the episodes are free there. Or it's through a subscription service to VidAngel, and VidAngel is a service that filters like what's on Netflix or Amazon Prime, so, um, which is also a really good tool for parents to use. And in this episode of The Chosen, our Lord calls Peter and Andrew and James and John, and, and they go back to Peter's house. And the thing that's sort of holding him back, that's holding Peter back, is the fact that his mother-in-law is very sick, and she's staying with them. And his wife is burdened with taking care of her, and he has to take care of his wife, who's taking care of his mother-in-law. And, and that's sort of... It's, it's like something that's holding him back from like really going all in. And our Lord goes and sits with her and he heals her. 
And then she sits up with great joy and, and in her joy and in her gratitude for our Lord's presence there, she starts to serve them in order to celebrate the healing that's taken place. And so rather than a kind of pragmatic service, it's a service that's moved by love. It's moved by gratitude. It's our Lord entered into her life and, it, and his presence in her life moved her towards that life of service. And we see a similar kind of gratitude in Jesus himself because all of these people then after the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, then word starts to spread and all the sick people start to come. And he's healing them and he's driving out demons from their lives. And at the end of this, I imagine long nights. Our Lord gets up very early the next morning and he goes to a deserted place to pray. So he goes to be alone with the Father. And we might ask ourselves, like, what was our Lord's prayer like? And it only makes sense that our Lord was going to the Father out of gratitude for what the Father had done. As if to say, Father, thank you for healing Peter's mother-in-law. Father, thank you for healing those other sick people. Thank you for helping that cripple to walk. Help you. Thank you for giving sight to that blind person. Thank you. Because our Lord knows that everything he does is the Father working in him. So he says, I can only do what I see the Father doing. And for him, there's this even experience of wonder that happens as that miraculous thing is happening. And it comes from somebody else. And then in that experience of prayer, as he goes to the Father in gratitude, then the Father moves him to go to the other towns and villages. The Father reveals to him, for this purpose you've come. And then we see a similar expression of gratitude in the life of St. Paul, who says, if I preach the gospel, there's no reason for me to boast. He knows that it's something that's been given to him, and, and he's moved by the presence of our Lord to go out. St. Paul talks about how to the weak he became weak, to win over the weak, that he's willing to give up everything for the sake of the gospel, because of what our Lord did in his life. He's moved by love. And his mission is an expression of gratitude for the way that our Lord entered into his life on the way to Damascus and said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? For the fact that our Lord opened his eyes when he was blinded. And it's his gratitude that moves him. 
And these are lessons for each of us to, to follow and, and to really learn and, and to let them take root in our heart. Because it can be easy for us to forget that it's our Lord who does everything for us. And in times of great distraction and desolation and division and the news cycle and everything that goes on, it's easy for us to leave that perspective and to lose that perspective. And putting that into practice every day in our lives, it just means like at the end of the day, we sort of review our day and we thank our Lord for all the things he's done for us, even the simple things. Jesus, thank you for helping me to get that project done today. Jesus, thank you for helping me get my kids to bed without a hostage negotiation going on. Jesus, thank you for helping me get my homework done today. Jesus, thank you for the gift of my wife or the gift of my husband. And, and for us to cultivate that it that reality in our heart that, that we can do all things with our Lord and we can do nothing without him. And that's what keeps us in relationship. And, and anytime we start to take credit for our own things, right, to, to take credit for our own lives, we're moving out of relationship and into pride. And as we get ready to celebrate Lent this year, and I'm not sure we stopped celebrating Lent last year. It's kind of like a big, long Lent that we've been in in lots of ways. Even in our liturgical observance, it's been like a big, long Lent. And we're doing lots of things that a lot of places they do during Lent. You know, like we're not having singing and there's no holy water fonts and etc. But as we move into this liturgical season of Lent, it's, it's really, there's an invitation from our Lord to treat that like a 40-day retreat. And to really invite our Lord into our hearts and, and to look at our hearts and say, okay, like, where is my heart? And what needs to happen in my heart? Like, what do I want our Lord to heal? What do I need to be set free from? You know, what are the habitual sins that I have or the ingratitude I have or the unforgiveness or the resentments or the places where I get really frustrated? And to, to be really intentional during this Lenten season about letting our Lord get all of that out of our life so that we can have this life with him that he's promised us. You know, Lent is this 40 days of preparation for the celebration of Easter, and it started as a fast for people who were going to be baptized. And so people who were going to be baptized and come into relationship with our Lord for the very first time, they would do this 40-day fast beforehand to prepare themselves. And then the rest of the church sort of does this 40-day fast with them, right, for them to prepare them because we're a community and we bear one another's burdens. And we support one another in our trials. And we celebrate one another's joys. 
And it's also a 40-day fast to prepare our own hearts to renew our baptismal promises and recommit ourselves to our Lord at Easter. And so our perspective as we go into that, starting in about 10 days, is how am I going to prepare myself to renew those baptismal promises, to, to renew the fact that I reject sin and I reject Satan and all his works and all his empty promises? And I entrust myself in faith to our Lord. I, I give my heart to him. And I give my whole heart to him. And that means saying no to certain things so that we can say yes to him. And so we have these next 10 days or so to sort of prepare ourselves and ask, me, ask ourselves, like, what, what needs healing in my own life? And how do I create the space to let our Lord do that? Because each of us are called to these same experiences of being a person in need that our Lord responds to. Each of us, a part of our heart, is that sick person who needs healing. And as we go to him in our need, we're like the people that go to the crowd, the doorway to Peter's house. And we allow him to enter into our life and transform it. From there is born that gratitude that wants to return to him always. That wants to stay within his gaze. And then moved by love, we go out into the world in service. We go out to tell everybody about what our Lord has done for us. And that's how the gospel spreads. And, and we definitely live in a world that's much like Job described in the first reading, where we can feel weary or is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Sometimes it feels that way. But as we take that to our Lord and we allow our Lord into our life to transform it, then our life becomes something, something greater. And we can have the joy that he promised us. And we live in a world that needs the church. Every bit of bad news that we read reminds us that the world needs the church. And the world needs the church to be a beacon of lights and a beacon of hope. And a refuge for those who find their life to be wearisome. And that starts with each and every one of us becoming a light. And allowing our own transformed hearts to shine brightly in the world around us. And it's our prayer that the church begins to flourish in this time. That our parish will flourish in this time and, and be a beacon of hope. A beacon of lights. To a world that's in such need of our Lord's mercy and healing and goodness and peace. And so today let us pray that as we prepare to begin the Lenten pilgrimage, the Lenten retreat, 
that our Lord reveal to us those parts of our heart that need transformation, that we allow him to do so. So that moved by his love, we become witnesses to him, to his grace, his love, his mercy, his light. In every thought, every word, and every work of our lives.